0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. I am your host, Brian Convery. If you're tuning in for the first time today, Careering Talk is an open mic series to empower job and career seekers with knowledge, insights, career pathing, and coaching to find that dream job and develop a career with purpose and with impact. On today's Careering Talk, I've invited Kristen Kokeman a graduate of the State University of New York Fashion Institute of Technology, and the current president and CEO at the ALS Association Greater New York Chapter. The ALS Association Greater New York Chapter serves patients and families throughout New York City, Long Island, Northern and Central New Jersey, Westchester and the Hudson River Valley. The chapter plays a major role in promoting the mission to lead the fight to create, to treat and cure ALS through global research and national-wide advocacy, while also empowering people with Lou Gehrig's disease and their families to live fuller lives by providing them with compassionate care and support. The ALS Association is the only non-national nonprofit organization fighting Lou Gehrig's disease on every front. I had the opportunity to meet Kristen and the Hudson Valley Walk to defeat ALS team in 2012 when I started the Walk for Christy. My friend Christy was 41 years old with a one year old daughter when she was diagnosed with ALS. Since then, Christy has passed from the disease in November 2019, and I continue to walk and be a part of uh, the overall Hudson Valley experience as much as I can. It is with much pleasure and appreciation that I welcome Kristen to this podcast. Thank you, Kristen, for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for the introduction, Brian, and thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Awesome, awesome. So maybe just to get us going and kind of have a little bit of fun first to get to know you, um, I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So what are your preferred pronouns?
1: She, her.
0: She and her. What is your superpower?
1: Um, can I say full-time working mom? <laughs>
0: yes, you can. <laughs> that, that is a superpower.
1: <laughs> I think
0: so. <laughs> yeah. For many. For 100%. You're right. You're right. Cats or dogs?
1: Dogs. 100% dogs.
0: Dogs. Do you have, have a dog?
1: I do. I have a Bernese Mountain Dog. His name is Moose and he's crazy and <laughs> so much fun, um, huge, and uh, we love him.
0: <laughs> Aww, that's awesome. Bernese Mountain Dogs are so beautiful. They're so oh, yeah, beautiful. He's, yeah.
1: He's a good looking dog.
0: Awesome. What's your favorite holiday?
1: Oh, it's, it's Christmas. It's probably an answer you get often, but Christmas, absolutely Christmas. I love everything about it. Uh, from the day after Thanksgiving until New Year's day, I am celebrating Christmas.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten?
1: Um, I, I think for this, what I'm, going to say, and and this is a, you know, this is a, this was a big compliment for me. Um, and you might be able to understand where I'm going with this, but it was uh, about, I'm going to say it was uh, several, several years ago uh, when I was asked to consider taking over the chapter um, and, and leading the chapter as the, the next president and CEO. I, for me, that was a huge compliment to have been Uh, ask that and Mm -hmm. to have the position offered to me. Um, You understand what we do here and you know my predecessor and it was huge shoes to step into and fill. And it's an enormous responsibility, one that I certainly don't take lightly and that I'm going to have to go with that as my answer.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Being recognized for your leadership and and stepping into a role that has so much impact, which we're going to get into here for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is, this one's a funny one. I guess so many answers. That's why I love asking it, but do you have a favorite smell?
1: Uh, nature smells um, and snow leaves, yeah. cut grass, flowers, dirt, everything.
0: I love that. all those things. Yeah, I love that. Cause it, it, when you say the words, it even brings the sense of smell right to the forefront, right? right? (laughs) It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's, let's, um, I spoke a little bit about you at the beginning of the podcast, and I know we are we're catching up a bit here. It's been a while since we've chatted directly and had some conversations, but could you maybe talk in a little bit more detail about your overall, you know, journey, your career journey, what inspired you to work in the nonprofit world and specifically with the ALS Association Greater New York chapter.
1: Sure. Um, so I'm sure there there are some questions hanging out there after the introduction. So I I definitely did not have a typical journey. Although I don't know these days who has a typical journey um, from you know through their career paths and and education. Um, I. I attended uh, the uh, State University of New York, uh, FIT, uh, the Fashion Institute of Technology, which I absolutely loved, Um, and it was a decision, my decision to go there, it was, you know, it was an easy one for me, that's what I wanted to do at the time, Um, and I, you know, have kind of bounced around a little bit since then, following, um, you know, following my my different passions for the different points of my life, uh, which I think a lot of people do. And I think people, you know, kids, young adults, adults uh, should really do that. Uh, I think if you are following a path that you love doing something you love, it will reflect in the outcome and your success at, and, you know, doing that particular job at that particular point in your life. Um, I, you know, was involved in communications a lot uh, coming out of FIT. I, you know, I was working in uh, publicity for a period of time. I did the typical New York City uh, thing. I'll say it's New York City thing. Uh, <laughs> I got into. Uh, I pursued an acting career for a very brief period of time.
0: You did. Um, I, was, did I did not know I that. Did.
1: Well, oh. I leave that off of my. I <laughs> love
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. I had, you know, I had some, some people in the family and I was always a fan of theater, still am, of course. Um, so I, you know, at that point in my life, that's what I wanted to do. And I felt strongly about it and I followed it and I don't regret it for a second because that ultimately is what led me to where I am today in a strange roundabout kind of way. Um, as many people who are Pursuing an acting career, they have a uh, an additional part time career in the service industry, as I did for many years, um, which uh, led me to uh, one of my many mentors, who was involved in fundraising with nonprofit organizations, and. I started getting involved with some of the events that she was uh, organizing and working on. Uh, She was doing events and fundraising uh, for several wonderful organizations uh, in the greater New York area. ALS Association was one of them. Uh, So I became involved in, in all of those events and really enjoyed my time working with her Uh, in the fundraising field. So I gradually shifted over um, out of the other areas that I had been pursuing um, and focused full-time on fundraising um, and events management uh, and things like that. And ALS, as I said, was one of the organizations that uh, she and then ultimately we worked on Um, Over the years, we worked a little more closely together and eventually uh, my mentor retired and I took over her business and I continued working with a number of amazing nonprofits organizing events uh, through my late 20s and 30s and gradually added on more and more responsibility and uh, events that I'd been working on in partnerships with the ALS Association, the Greater New York Chapter. So, um, and then ultimately I accepted a position uh, many years later uh, to work full time for them and directing their events and marketing. Um, and that was my, that was actually, believe it or not, that was my first full time professional. Office position in my late twenties. No, that was in my thirties, if you can believe it. So that's probably something I think a lot of the the students and young adults out there should take note of because I, you know, I I did a lot of things that I was very passionate about and I I loved all of them, um, but. In my 30s, I, I took this role full-time and it was it was the right time for me and it was what I wanted to do. And I felt very strongly about working for the ALS community uh, permanently at that point and still do. Uh, it's been, I don't know, I guess all told, I've probably been working in some capacity for the ALS Association, whether it be, uh, you know, part-time, just a little bit under contract and now permanently uh, full-time as the CEO for more than 20 years now. Um, And I have to say, you know, it's just, it's such an amazing organization. I have met so many amazing people. Um, Sadly, I have lost so many amazing people at the same time you know, one of the things that often people ask, you know, is how did you get involved with the association? And as you know, as you can tell from that really long um, introduction, it's not an easy question to answer. Uh, You know, a lot of people, they have a friend or a family member that brought them here. Um, I came through, uh, you know, I took a different path, but I have so many friends and family members that I have come to know and love and, and lose. Um, And, you know, I continue to meet new and amazing and courageous and strong people every single day. And I love what I do.
0: That's amazing. And I I knew collectively it was well over the 20 year mark and, you know, the journey that you took to get where you are. I mean, um, you can hear the passion in your voice. And I knew that I really wanted to connect with you so that we could have this conversation and so that listeners could understand, you know, if they're going through those transitional moments as a young person or even someone who's making a career shift that, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can shift and try new things and get involved in, in the nonprofit world. And I guess specifically, too, knowing that it's because um, I've been wearing a lot of my ALS shirts this month, it is mm-hmm. May is ALS Awareness Month. So it's a busy time overall for you. And I know there's walks that have started and mm-hmm. planning for stuff this year. But could you maybe share a little bit for our, our listeners who may not be as familiar with ALS, a bit about the disease, and maybe even some of the advancements being made that gives you hope?
1: Sure. Um, well, you know, ALS it is a progressive neuromuscular disease. It is fatal. It is one hundred percent fatal. Um, Typically when uh, someone is diagnosed with ALS, uh, you're given anywhere from two to five years to live from that point of diagnosis. It is an incredibly difficult disease to diagnose, um, which is one of the avenues that uh, the research field is, is working on, you know, identifying um, you know biomarkers and, and things uh, uh, to come up with a, a better way To diagnose an earlier diagnosis, Um, there's been so much progress um, over the years. Uh, You know, probably almost, I hope, every listener is familiar with the Ice Bucket Challenge Mm -hmm. that took place, uh, wow, now many years ago in 2014. um, That really, you know, I'm going to say put us on the map as far as awareness goes and, and really. Um, catapulted the research pipeline into, you know, just another level, an exciting level of progress. So, you know, over the years, you know, we have really grown the research. We, uh, you know, the entire, you know, ALS community, there are so many um, wonderful organizations and people that are involved and amazing researchers and clinicians and nurses and social workers and administrative staff and everyone um, plays a role, but there has been so much progress over the past, you know, since the Ice Bucket Challenge, but even, you know, prior to that, uh, you know, right now, there are, I, I think we're in the area of about 70 to 75 active trials that are going on um, in the research space, and it wasn't long ago, maybe um, 20 years ago or a little bit more or less that, you know, we were probably at around five trials. Um, yeah. there, there's so much going on. And one of the things, and I like to repeat it, and it was reiterated to me um, in a different way. Just last week, we had um, our Education and Resource Summit, which was a series of, of talks and presentations for the ALS community where we invited you know, uh, a variety of people from different fields to come and present on their specific um, area of expertise. And one of the things of course was research. We had several presentations on research and, and one of the things that I took away from it um, was the feeling of progress and hope and that it is a very exciting time in ALS research because there is so much being done now compared to not that long ago. And we are, we're really, I think, very close to making some really strong um, leaps in in ALS and, and being to give people treatments and hopefully at some point a cure, um, mm-hmm. but providing some treatments. And, you know, but not only that, we've come so far as far as um, providing services and equipment and technology uh, to make people's lives easier and better and help them live longer with this disease uh, so that people get additional days with their family, uh, mm-hmm. you know, additional years with their family and, the, and their quality days because we have the technology to give them. And that's something the ALS Association does. Uh, you had mentioned in the intro that, you know, we've fight and support ALS on every front. And that's through advocacy and um, in, in pushing for change and legislation that's going to support the ALS community um, and support research at the federal and state level. Um, but we also, you know, we support research globally. There are about 160-ish active research projects around the globe that our association uh, funds right now, which is amazing. Um, but we also support the families at the at the local level and um, providing them with whatever they need. So, you know, at our chapter and chapters around the country, we are we are offering our nurses and social workers with, I mean, maybe, you know, not at this particular moment, but in-home visits and and you know, we're we're doing things virtually now, but we're You know, consultations and home assessments for accessibility. Um, We're giving them equipment free of charge because it, you know, it's just overwhelming the amount of equipment and the cost. And then there's the red tape with the insurance. Uh, If someone's waiting for a wheelchair, you know, we we can step in and provide that for them. Um, We're giving financial grants to help support families because it's overwhelming the cost to, to support someone with ALS. It can run uh, as high as about $250,000 annually to take care of somebody with ALS, uh, which is just, as you can imagine, just completely overwhelming. Um, but anything that a patient needs, it, you know, that's what we're here for. And we're constantly reevaluating what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we can improve and what can we add to that list? What can we put on that menu so that, you know, we can help the patients and the families in better and more ways. Um, And, and to that extent, we, you know, we do have a lot of events that we put on and thank you so much for captaining a a walk team in the Hudson Valley. We have (laughs) so many different ways to get involved, but the walk to defeat ALS is one of them. Um, It helps us, not only raise funds to support all of our services and programs that we have here at the chapter, but it also raises an incredible amount of awareness as well, which is, in my opinion, uh, equally as important um, to raise awareness of this disease. We have um, one of the things that's coming up, actually, it's just next week, we have uh Lou Gehrig Day at Yankee Stadium. And that, you know, last year for the baseball fans out there um, last year, they designated June 2nd uh, as officially as Lou Gehrig Day across all of Major League Baseball, which was wonderful because that will help raise a tremendous amount of awareness. And everything that we can do to raise awareness and funds will help every single person that we're in contact with, whether it's today or, or down the road.
0: Wow. I, you know, listening to that and, and, and thank you so much for sharing the, the information you did at the insights, because I think the idea of, you know, awareness, um, even for myself, when, when my friend Christy, as you know, is diagnosed, I, I didn't know much about it. And I, I was inspired by my now husband to get involved with the walk and he had done the research. So I said, there's one where we grew up, let's get involved and let me get in, involved in this. Um, but I think the awareness side is so important because as I read more on it and stay in tune with what you all are doing um, from afar here in Toronto, but um, at close and hard is, you know, there is um, that awareness factor of, you um, you know if you if people aren't talking about it, people don't know that this happens and sometimes it feels like it's a silent killer, I guess in a way that you know the, the time is so short that most people have that sometimes people don't even know they have ALS or they have it and they find out and and they're gone or they live longer with hopefully the things you're doing. but mm-hmm. I think the ice bucket challenge raised a lot of awareness but I, as I talk to more people say, oh my uncle had that or my cousin had that or, you know, those are the stories that need to be told, right?
1: Right, exactly.
0: Um, So, you know, for, you know, the impact you have and, and um, the involvement you have with the organization and everything you do, it's, it's incredible. Um, And I think about some of the people that listen to this podcast who are young and, you know, as we were talking at the start of the podcast, a lot of times, you know, the big company logos and brands are marketed to individuals and, Sometimes as we're pre-programmed for whatever reasons of what is success and where you should work and mm-hmm. what that looks like, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about maybe for someone who says, you know what, I, I want a little bit more purpose, or I want to make that career decision, transition, mm-hmm. you know, what's some of the advice you would give someone to consider a nonprofit sector or, or even specifically um, in the work that you do?
1: I I would say uh, volunteerism is huge. Is- Huge, and if you're, if a, if someone is out there that's maybe interested in perhaps a career change to do something that may be more impactful or more meaningful to, to them, or even in addition to uh, a career that they are enjoying and and feel strongly about and continuing on that path, but want to add, they they want to add another layer to it, volunteer. Uh, get involved there are always ways that you can support uh, our nonprofit or any nonprofit for that matter um, there there are so many different things that you can you know ways and levels in which you can engage with them on whether it's you know visiting for us it's visiting with a family spending time with a family uh, you know, reading or having a virtual meeting or coming down to the walk and and helping us give out t-shirts and and setting up our water stations or you know stuffing envelopes in the office or or just you know coming down and helping with maybe it's data entry or things like that there are just so many different ways and i'm sure that translates to a variety of nonprofits. it's it's not specific to als but that would be my recommendation is is volunteer get involved
0: that's a great, great piece of advice. And I often talk to students now and young people about those volunteer moments are lived experiences that give you work experience, right? As mm-hmm. well. Yes. Um, and, and you need to count that as experience. You know, sometimes we look at people graduating and I have my degree and, and I'm like, yeah, but you also have all these experiences where you volunteered and what a wonderful way to give back and mm-hmm. to help people in that way. And also learn right uh, yeah. along the way, um, a yep. new skill. Um, exactly. Uh, and I imagine, you know, empathy and other human skills that are also learned um, and appreciated through something like what you do. Um, so this is a part of the show where I often ask, um, you know, if someone about, you know, a little bit more personal about maybe a big challenge you had or something you were over able to overcome, um, maybe what lessons you learned. Do you have something that maybe you wanted to share with the audience about, you know, something that either you've worked through or are working through or how, how you kind of, um, you know, kind of worked yourself through that?
1: Right. Well, it's, it's definitely going to be COVID. Um, mm-hmm. my answer absolutely will be COVID. Uh, For a variety of reasons, and and everyone, you know, I, I acknowledge that everyone has had struggles, uh, different types of struggles, uh, in different ways. And whatever industry, whatever personal situation you're in, uh COVID has not left a single stone unturned, a single person untouched. For for the nonprofit sector, certainly this has been challenging uh for the ALS Association and has been incredibly challenging for us. Uh, you know, I'll reflect on specifically how it impacted us here in the Greater New York area. Um, you know, with our, our families and patients that we that we work with, uh, both in New Jersey and New York and Long Island, Hudson Valley, and the boroughs. We've had to rethink everything we everything we do, everything we did, uh, and in. Some cases, uh, we're looking forward to, at some point down the road, being able to return to doing some parts of our business the way we did before COVID. Um, But I'll also say that there are some things that, you know, were brought forward that we're not going to be undoing and we're going to hold on to that. And they were, you know, little bits of silver linings uh, that we found. So, you know, we had to stop uh, our home visit program mm. and resort to Zooms and FaceTime, which work and it, it helps us maintain uh, a level of personal contact with the with the community. and And our nurses and social workers are still able to have those personal discussions or even uh, a Zoom or a FaceTime a home assessment and evaluation to see what obstacles need to be addressed within a home so that they you know, a person with ALS is able to, you know, have access to different parts of their home and what might be, uh, you know, considered something that potentially could be harmful. So we've been able to do that. Um, You know, we we're drop shipping pieces of equipment as opposed to having things be delivered or stored in our loan closet. You know, we're we're just finding different ways to do different things. Uh, we've just re- reworked our grant program to uh, broaden the parameters of the grants uh, because during COVID we saw different needs from different people within the community that they all need to be addressed. Uh, okay. So we felt that was important to, to rework that. Um, certainly uh, telehealth, uh, telemedicine is something that you know uh, the medical community can speak to uh, on a much greater level but that has been a tremendous advancement for us it was something that was it was there but now it's it's really here and we're we're trying uh, to make you know some some implemental and impactful changes and retain a lot of of policy that was put in place as far as telehealth during COVID. We want it. We need it. And the ALS community will certainly take advantage of any, any bit that, you know, will be helpful to them, as you can imagine. And and you understand this, Brian, with the ALS community, it can be really difficult uh, getting in and out of the home Mm -hmm. and getting to appointments. So being able to offer um, virtual, virtual, a virtual support group or a virtual home visit or a telehealth uh, appointment with your neurologist and the entire team at one of our multidisciplinary clinics um, is just, it's such a benefit. Um, so while it's been incredibly difficult uh, dealing with um Everything involved with COVID, and that's not even getting into you know the fundraising and the the drastic drop in, in funding that we had, and trying to do more with a lot less. Um, it, that's a really long answer to your question about you know one of the biggest challenges that we as a team. I am so proud of our community here in at the chapter for really coming together and and doing everything that we can to, to see the families through, so.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, I, I hadn't really thought about those levels of what COVID had done to, you know, the ALS community along with, with the organization and, 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 and thinking about as you were talking, you know, even the um, the heightened awareness of someone with ALS getting COVID, right? It's right. like yeah. all those things combined and yes. the telehealth and other things that have advanced, which I think is incredible um, to be able to do that. But again, you know, we still need support. We still need people fighting this, this cause and, and, and getting out and, and raising money to, to, to help with this. Um, you know, thinking about, you know, skills, and I know we're uh, very much, you know, moving at least from a talent perspective, what I see is we're moving a lot less from credentials to more skills and human skills and, and, and values. When we talk about people's ability to navigate workplaces and other things, but what do you think are, you know, what are some of the skills that that that've helped you to get where you are today? And what do you tap into as far as your values and your skills in in your daily life?
1: Um, I think, you know, not, uh, I think working, working hard, multitasking, um, particularly, you know, in the nonprofit space, being willing to just take on whatever is put in front of you and, and to wear a number of different hats, um, and, and just jump into the conversation, um, certainly having, you know, empathy and, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's a skill that that can't be utilized in, in, in the nonprofit space. Uh, you know, there are certainly, I'm sure, a number of careers out there where there are things that you very specifically need to uh, be skilled at, uh, but we can take almost any skill and, and work it to the advantage of the nonprofit space. So whatever it is that you can do, we're going to utilize it to the best of your ability because we, we can, we can use it here. Certainly.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, right? Cause you're pulling yeah. in people with all different backgrounds and skills yeah. and you need someone who knows tech and you need someone who can, yeah, all the different things that
1: everything comes yeah. into play. If, if you're a lawyer, we could use your skill. If, if you're an accountant, <laughs> we can use your skill. If you know how to code or, <laughs> you know, if you can, make graphics for us and, and work the internet and all those things. I'm starting to sound my age right now, <laughs> <laughs> but everything.
0: No, it makes, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it makes us such a sense of, you know, and a lot of people are like looking for that purpose and looking for where they can bring their skills to maybe a different industry or a different mm-hmm. place. And this is what's so encouraging about this chat. And I'm, I'm really thankful. Um, to have you here today, you know, as we kind of think about, um, I guess we're getting to the end now. Is uh, are there any last minute, you know, thoughts you'd like to reflect on or share with the audience um, as, as some takeaways? And you've you've shared so many insights and ideas, but anything specifically that you wanted to just maybe wrap with? Um, I
1: I think for this and for your audience, my my closing statement would be, honestly, follow, follow your passion because it's going to lead you to success. I honestly believe that. Um, don't be afraid to make a change. Don't be afraid to, to try something new and very different. Um, and it's, it's going to lead you in the right direction.
0: It's some great advice. And, and, um, thank you again. Um, You know, with this being again ALS Awareness Month, thank you for all that you do, Kristen and the team and what you do for those that are suffering from this disease and the families. Um, I can't express enough how grateful I am to have met you and and to been a part of of this with you. And I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate it.
0: All right. For our listeners, if you like what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network. Please continue to tune in for more upcoming episodes. This has been Coffee with Convery. And until next time, stay well.